Welcome to Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 77, recorded November 20th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, first public pick of the Fichet Bausch M2i, first public pick to control of the ALC Bylock exclusive. Starrylock's channel was removed again and then reinstated again. Lotto Key Systems, largest lock in the world, the traveling impressioning box, the day solitaire dies, crazy lock story, criminals, meetups, sales, giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to the audio version of this show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a podcasting app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. And you can find full show notes with all of the links at thelocksportscast.com. And you're going to hear this over and over again since we're getting close to the time. Locky Awards is coming up. Nominations start January 1st, so please remember to get your list together of videos and people that you want to nominate. Also, I apologize if I sound a little off in this one. I'm having a horrible problem with uh, mold allergies because of the weather out here in the Pacific Northwest this year, especially. Uh, They're really bad. Taking my allergy meds, and that helps, but I'm still stuffy, so I apologize. First up in the news, we have another story in the ever-evolving story of locksmiths and criminals in the Chicago area. The title is Locksmiths are Tightening Security Measures Following the Rise of Key Fob Thefts in the Hardest Hit Areas. This is from CBS2 Chicago, written by Stephen Graves. He says, Thieves are targeting Chicago locksmiths for their key fobs and equipment. Now reports of these thefts are spiking at an alarming rate. CBS2 interviewed Stephen Gwen of Keyway Lock and Security in Ashburn, and he describes the current landscape of the locksmith industry as unpredictable and not necessarily in a good way. Kind of feel like some days it's a reality show waiting to happen. You never know what's next, he said. He had a real-life scenario play out at his Chicago shop just months ago. He says they broke the windows and all they stole was car programming equipment. Both Reprogramming devices and key fobs are targets, according to Chicago police. In their investigation, CBS2 found that key fob thefts are growing in popularity. Police department data shows that in 2019, there were zero reports, but in 2020, they had 19 reports. And so far this year, they say that is 98 reports so far. They also say as police respond to more of these thefts, it might be harder to get a locksmith to respond to you. Some say they are tightening security measures and going out on fewer calls, and that could translate into more money that you have to pay for services. Gwen also says that he requires picture ID and proof of ownership before even going out on a call. He also says that he has made sure that all of his equipment is password protected. He says making it near impossible for thieves to use. Practice he recommends all locksmiths follow. Anyway, looks like the targeting of locksmiths and locksmith shops is growing rapidly in the Midwest. So just another reminder to be careful. And Hackspace Magazine issue 49 is now out with a new Locksport article, Lockpicking DIY Tool Time. 
It says nothing feels quite as good as picking a lock using tools you made yourself. Building on last month's guide to lock picking, let's make some tools and accessories to increase your lock sport capabilities. Making your own tools for lock sport is great for many reasons, but there's two that stand out. Firstly, it's incredibly satisfying to open a lock using homemade tools. Secondly, you can make a specific tool for a specific lock that might not be available to purchase. Finally, this is a cheap activity. Many manual tools can be made on a budget, which means you can learn and experiment for very little cost. So a link to that issue will be in the show notes and you can donate uh, per issue if you want also. But there is an option if you so choose to download the PDF for free, just so you know. Also shared on Twitter by Cohen's Key Shop, the largest lock in the world. The largest lock in the world was created back in 2003 by students and teachers at Pavlov, Pavlovo Arts College in Russia. And that led me to the Guinness Book of World Records page. And it says that the lock measures 144.3 centimeters tall, 105 centimeters wide, and 26 centimeters deep. For those in the U.S., that's 56.8 inches by 41.3 by 10.2 inches. It says the giant security lock weighs in at 415.5 kilograms or 916 pounds, including the key. There was a crest on top of the padlock, but that was not included in the overall height as it was not integral part of the lock. It's quite an ornate and beautiful lock, and I will have a link to the Twitter post in the show notes. Moving on to community news here. First up, we have what appears to be the first public pick of the Fache Bausch M2i. And be very specific, that is the M2i, because there is also an M2b that I know of that I believe Crack Jeans picked. But they are different. And this first pick was by Panda Frog, and it is in his video, English video number 237, Lock Picking, Picking and Gutting the Black Belt, Fiche Bausch M2i safe lock. Didn't find any other examples of somebody picking the M2i specifically, so we believe that is the first public pick of that specific model. But as I said, uh, I believe it was correct, Jeans picked the M2b, but they are different. The, the levers in this M2i are, ex- or the wafers, I guess you would call them, are extremely long. Anyway, it's one of those really uh, unique fascinating mechanisms and looks like it's quite a difficult pick so you can head over to panda frog's channel or the link in the show notes to check that one out also we have what appears to be the first public pick of the alc bylock exclusive picked to control and gutted and this pick was performed by do not duplicate and the description to the video is a simple quote that he put down here it says quote we have yet to personally witness any original bylock cylinder being picked open without a key. We donate our locks to picking contests around the world to maintain this confidence. And then he destroys that confidence in this video as he picks it to control and guts it. And it's definitely not an easy pick. It, it is a serious, difficult pick. But it is possible, as he shows. Just so everybody knows, the pins in the exclusive bylock have full thickness true gates and some have partial thickness true gates. To get to control, you must pick all pins precisely to their full thickness true gates so the sidebars can push in further to get to the control position. So well done, 
to both Panda Frog and Do Not Duplicate for their first picks. And just as I had finished recording last week and was getting ready to go off to work, I saw a post by Starrylock that said his channel had been removed again by YouTube. Uh, It said YouTube has deemed it necessary to take my Starrylock channel down again. Hopefully they give me a reason this time. And then a couple of days ago, the next post, as mysteriously as Starlock Channel vanished, it is now back without subscribers like last time. Likely get them back in 7 to 10 days like last time, I hope. Most of the comments are still gone, but hopefully they are restored as well. What a roller coaster. So, I don't know. To me, it seems like somebody's got it out for Starlock. They, he must be being reported for random stuff or something. I don't know, because it's very unusual for YouTube to just automatically take down a channel and then reinstate it twice it would be nice if they could give people a reason what good does it do to take down a channel to punish somebody without telling them why they're being punished it's like spanking your child and not telling them why they're being spanked you figure it out it makes no sense you're not teaching anybody a lesson here you're not furthering the knowledge of the community so that they can do what you expect them to do if you don't tell them what they did that you didn't want them to do. Anyway, typical YouTube shenanigans. And then Rubber Band on YouTube posted a video called The Traveling Impressioning Box, his 44th video. It says, a project I've put together for those who want to try impressioning. Contact details as follows. And what he says he's planning to do here is put together a box full of everything you need to get started learning impressioning. And that box will include lots of different difficulties and the tools you need to actually impression those locks. And that box then can be passed around kind of like we do with the challenge locks from person to person left intact. And there'll be blanks included as well. Uh, First off, he says he's sticking with keeping it inside the U.S. And then after the U.S. tour is done, then it can maybe move on to Canada and possibly other countries. But for now, to keep the shipping under control, we'll just keep it in the U.S. Anyway, if you're interested, link to his video in the show notes. I recommend you go check it out. And back over on Twitter, Midwinter's Tomb tweeted, looking for left-handed pickers. They say, looking for left-handed pickers or anyone who may know some lefty pickers or pickers with neuro issues. My friend needs some lefty picking advice, as well as any advice for picking with neuropathy. Any help would be greatly appreciated. And that was shared with me by Cherelle, and I thought that I should share it on here to give it a little more exposure. If anybody has any advice for these people, please head over to Twitter. The link will be in the show notes to the exact tweet, and you can reply and help them out. Quick update on Brummie's Corbin lock. I sent the lock to Australia uh, to keyless entry via HV Logic. So HV Logic had a chance to try it while it was in his possession and was able to get an open. Uh, not really surprised. He's a very talented picker. But anyway, um, the video will be linked in the show notes and the lock should be now making its way on to keyless entry. And we'll look forward to seeing his picking of it. And a big thank you to HV Logic for allowing me to relay, relay that lock through him because 
if I had had to pay the $85 shipping multiple times, it would have totally broke me that month. So I really, really appreciate it. It saved me so much money and so much hassle. I, I can't thank you enough, HV Logic. So, and good job on the open. Moving on to videos this week, we'll start off with a video by Essie Lock and Key, November 24th, 2021, The Day Solitaire Dies. So you may remember that a couple weeks ago I shared that he had tweeted about this issue and at first people thought it was some sort of a, a phishing attempt, but it turns out it is a real thing. And the description of this video here reads, I wanted to learn a bit about this and pass it along. Dormacaba solitaire locks will stop operating on November 24th at 8 p.m. When we first started receiving these emails, the link solitairelockupdate.com was unsecured, and I wanted to know mainly why the company supposedly focused on security didn't have a secure link shown on their website. Anyway, the models affected are the 820, 9... The 820 and 920, 850, 950, 800, 900 access control cards and solitaire customer login portal. Those are all scheduled to stop functioning as of 8 p.m. November 24th. Anyway, it's an entertaining video. SC Lock and Key does a great job. He, he recorded the phone calls with the customer service, both with Dormacaba and, uh, the locksmith ledger who is reporting this also and i recommend you go check it out especially if you are a locksmith who might have to field calls on why their locks aren't working and also i finally got around to listening to the keynote that lockpicking lawyer gave at saint con it was a great talk i really miss lockpicking lawyers lo- longer content um i know I understand why he does what he does now, and he actually explains that in this talk, why his videos have become what they have become, and his reasons and purpose behind that, and it makes total sense, but I do miss his longer content, because I enjoy listening to him, he uh, he has a great presence, and is very knowledgeable. Um, but I'll read the description to the video here real quick, it says, The lockpicking lawyer is one of the most well-known names in the world of lockpicking and covert entry. He is best known for his extremely popular YouTube channel. This channel features over 1,000 videos exposing weaknesses and defects found in locking devices so that consumers can make better security decisions. What's less well-known is that he also works with lock manufacturers to improve their products, private companies to improve their security, toolmakers to improve their products, and government agencies. As his name suggests, the lockpicking lawyer was a business litigator for nearly 15 years, but recently retired from practicing law to devote all of his time to security work. Anyway, if you have a chance, I recommend you go over and check it out. It's a 53-minute video, so be prepared and make sure you have enough time to listen to it all. Definitely worth it, I think. And this next video was one that Mr. Black Magic sent in that he thought was quite interesting. The Abus Integral Parts Presentation and Reassembly by Moon UA on YouTube. The description says, Abus Integral is a fairly rare German lock. It can have up to six pins in the main stack and up to 10 sliders operated via ball bearings. Here I show all the parts and how to reassemble it and enjoy. And he explains in the video that this is a reassembly only video because he doesn't want to have to disassemble it and reassemble it again because some of the parts are pressure fit and this lock is extremely rare. He doesn't want to make it so that it doesn't hold together anymore. 
Anyway, very intricate lock with a lot of stuff going on in there and one you may not ever get a chance to see the insides of yourself. So you might want to check that out. And a reader reached out to me after re-listening to some of my talk about lotto locks in, I forget which episode now, but a while back, and wanted to know if I wanted more information about how lotto locks were used when they had, when they weren't all keyed differently. And I I said, sure, because in my system, I use lotto, um, not on a daily basis, but fairly frequently. And in our system, every lock is keyed differently, period. End of story. Uh, we have other measures for if more than one supervisor might need to access the lock, uh, combo lock boxes and stuff. But we are a very strict one key, one lock setup. So anyway, uh, this system that he describes here is different. Um, much more elaborate, but seems to be very secure, and it explains why you might have locks that are key to like or or other such systems, and might give you guys an idea how a lot of locks are used in different sectors. So it starts off. It says, "Sorry, this is going to seem like a lot, but I wanted to give you as much detail as I could. If anything is unclear, please feel free to ask. I will be glossing over safety details in order to focus mostly on the locks." but I would like it known that every step of every task we do has a mountain of paperwork, permits, and painstaking step-by-step procedures that along the way require we document times, signatures, and initials to ensure the safety of all parties involved. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get to it. My work uses four different colors of Master Lock 410 Lotto locks, blue, green, yellow, and red. The blue locks are assigned to any worker that will be performing a maintenance task. Every blue lock has its own unique key that is the property of the individual. This lock is to be applied prior to performing the work and is to remain on until the job's complete or you leave for the day. Since our plant is a 24-hour operation, we may need to put a piece of equipment back in service. So if your lock is left on and you're not there to remove it, then it is a big ordeal. The green lotto locks are used in the case of multiple points of isolation. Rather than each worker applying a blue lock to each point, we instead create a master list of all the isolation points and apply a numbered green lock to each one. The green locks come each with its own unique key. These locks are then placed in a metal lotto box, which the workers then secure with their personal blue lock. The yellow lock is our area technician slash operations lock. Before any maintenance task is started, the area technician will isolate and de-energize whatever may be necessary, applying a yellow lock at every point of physical and electrical isolation. This lock is always the first lock on and the last lock off. Since all operators performing a lotto are considered experts in the area it's being performed, we get them keyed alike so it's easier for us to get jobs ready for maintenance and to return things to service. This doesn't affect safety because it is the last lock removed, and even if it was removed earlier, the worker is always protected by his own blue lock. The red locks are electrician's locks. They are similar to yellow locks in the sense that they are all keto-like. We require that we be able to energize a piece of equipment at any time we need to, so it's critical any electrician be able to remove any electrical lock. Again, not a safety issue as the electrician's lock is only there as a verification to the workers proving electrical isolation. 
This lock will never be removed until all the blue maintenance locks have been removed. It is worth noting these locks don't come with multiple keys. They arrive in large batches, each box containing one lock, one key. They just send hundreds of those boxes. And he provides a example scenario here. The scenario is insulators want to strip a section of pipeline that is electrically heat traced. I would isolate the section of pipeline, putting yellow locks on all valves. Then I would open the breaker for the heat trace and place a yellow lock on it. The workers would arrive in the morning and meet me at the breaker. An electrician would confirm electrical isolation and then attach his red lock to the breaker with my yellow lock. Once everything has been proven safe to the workers, they will attach their blue locks to the breaker and start the job. Once their job is complete, I will witness all locks removed. Then after everything has been put back in normal operation, I will remove my yellow lock. I hope this was helpful. And again, sorry for the length. Definitely uh, helpful. It really helps me anyway understand why there might be keyed light locks. And with a little imagination, you can see how that system could be modified to use different levels of master keying on a, on a system too. So you can see how those systems developed. Moving on to the Lockpickers United belts this week, we have a new purple belt. Freediver72 over on Reddit has earned purple. Congratulations. And Pandafrog and Plaz7 both earned red belts this week. So congratulations to both of you. Very well done. For anyone not already familiar with the Lockpickers United belt system, there are links in the show note to the official rules page as well as some videos that explain the system and how the game works. So be sure to check those out and join the fun. Over at speedlocks.org, they have some new records and some first records. So for first records, we have the Fiché Bausch M2i by Pandafrog in 14 minutes, 17.891 seconds. And the Fiché Axie Home by Mr. Blackmagic in 1 minute, 46.160 seconds. Uh, looks like Mr. Blackmagic also picked the Dom RS8 in 2 minutes, 37.520 seconds. And the Robar Safe Deposit Lock in 1 minute, 32.84 seconds. But those last two records were quickly surpassed. So new records, we have the Abyss 6520 by Pandafrog in 1.135 seconds. The Bylock with 12 pins by Gilgains in 36.458 seconds. And then Rain also picked the Dom RS8, but he did it slightly faster than Mr. Blackmagic in 2 minutes 33.721 seconds. And then he picked the he also picked the Robar Safe Deposit Lock in 1 minute 14.001 seconds. Uh, so taking the title over on that one. And then Rain also set a new record for the Dom RS Sigma in 1 minute 18.763 seconds. So we've got a little competition going on over there now. And now it's time to take a quick break and say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. Um, I'd like to start by thanking Beach Grove Joe for his extremely generous $100 donation. Um, so with that, the producers for this episode include the executive producer, Beach Grove Joe. All of the Patreon subscribers, we have Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave to be deciphered, Lebon's Locksport Journey, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, Three Raccoons in a Coat, Terrell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, JHP Picking, 
And then content producers for this episode, the chief content producer is Terrell. And he got that title for sending in the most information used in this particular episode. Other content producers for this episode are Artichoke2000, Clayton Howard, aka Cooltoon, Cranky Lockpicker, Froggy Picker, Gilligans, Ifisk, John Locke, Joshua Gonzalez, Michael Gilchrist, Mr. Black Magic, Panda Frog, Pocket Woman, Real Tater, Starry Lock, and Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for your support. If I didn't have that support, this would be a very short show because this show is only possible because of the support of the community. I don't have enough time to research everything. Everyone has their own little bits of the Locksport community that they frequent and the little bits of islands of information out there. And as long as they send it in to me, I can keep this podcast going to help keep the community informed. So if you value this podcast, please help support it by sending in your news links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that the Locksport community might find interesting, send it to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or any of the other methods at thelocksportscast.com slash support. Don't forget to share the podcast with your lockpicking friends. You can leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube or Odyssey. And don't forget to subscribe to either the audio podcast or the YouTube or Odyssey channels. And you can support financially if you so choose. You can donate via PayPal or subscribe on Patreon. The only real benefit for the Patreon subscribers is the recognition in the credits and getting an episode a little early, about a day. Um, Other than that, it's just a way to say thank you uh, for doing the show. And I appreciate it. Something else you can do to help if you want is sending in your Locksport journey stories. If you have an interesting story about something you did in Locksport, something that happened because you're involved in Locksport, or just how you progressed through Locksport, uh, you can send it to me. Same uh, information as above, podcast at thelocksportscast.com or any of the methods listed on the webpage. If you want to send feedback about the show, you're welcome to do that as well. It can be kept confidential if you so choose, or I can share it on the show. If you want to share it on the show, just make sure it is reasonable length, polite, work, and family safe, not political, and not just drama. Our locksmith story is another one from the American Key Supply stories page. Uh, So you can go over there and check those out all at once if you want. Link in the show notes. But uh, this story is... The craziest locksmith experience I ever had was probably the couple that met clandestinely deep into a wooded area. They managed to lose the keys to the vehicle that they took off the beaten path to avoid detection. This was before cell phones, so it took a long time to find them. Fortunately, it was an easy car to fit a key to. It must have taken them over an hour to walk somewhere to find a payphone. All I know is that they were sure glad to see me I hope they got home before their respective spouses missed them. And uh, forgive me if I've already read that. I try to check these off as I've read them. And I can't remember if I've ever actually read that one on the show or not. So I apologize if that was a duplicate. And for our crazy lock story this week, this one is a little bit old. This story is from August 5th, but it's two hackers are suing an Iowa sheriff for falsely arresting them after the government hired them to break into a courthouse to test its security. This is from Insider, written by Michelle Mark. Two hackers who were hired by Iowa's judicial branch to break into courthouses to test security measures are suing a sheriff who arrested them on burglary charges, alleging that he ignored their get-out-of-free-jail letter and wrongfully detained them. Gary D. Mercurio and Justin Wynn were employed 
by the cybersecurity firm Coalfire in 2019 when the company accepted a contract with the state government to conduct a, quote, cybersecurity testing activities, including physical penetration, end quote, on five different buildings according to the lawsuit, which was filed on July 30th in the Iowa District Court. The pair were responsible for conducting physical attacks such as lockpicking on the Dallas County Courthouse on the evening of September 10th, 2019. So when Dean Mercurio and Wynn broke in and tripped the alarm, prompting the sheriff's office to arrive, they quickly produced an authorization letter from the Iowa government and reassured the deputies they were meant to be there. The deputies even phoned the Iowa Judicial Branch representative for confirmation and seemed satisfied with the get-out-of-jail-free letter but the lawsuit says that when the sheriff arrived, the situation changed. Sheriff Leonard refused to accept the letter and ordered his deputies to arrest the two. Ultimately, the pair were handcuffed, had their property seized, were held in jail for 20 hours on a $50,000 bond, and were charged with third-degree burglary and possession of burglary tools. Then later, the charges to both of them were downgraded and later dropped entirely, but their lawyer told Insider that beyond just one uncomfortable night in jail, his clients suffered a violation of their civil rights, humiliation, mental anguish, and emotional distress as a result of the arrests. He also says his clients continue to be affected by the incident two years later. They have missed out on potential job opportunities because Googling their name shows prospective employers news stories of their arrests paired with their mugshots. The pair's lawyer, Marty Diaz, claims that Sheriff Leonard used his clients as scapegoats for his gripe with the state government, which had hired Coldfire for the job. The sheriff's position is that this is a county building and therefore only the county can authorize the service. Diaz says the courthouse is operated by the state of Iowa, which had the right to authorize the break-in, he argues. DiMercurio and Wynn seek unspecified damages in an amount that will deter Sheriff Leonard and others similarly situated from conducting this type of activity in the future. The Dallas County Sheriff's Office did not provide Insider with a comment, but told the Des Moines Register in a statement that, quote, we deny the claims made in the petition and stand ready to defend ourselves in court, end quote. Of course, that's what they would say. Hard to know what the actual story is, but it sounds like a sheriff with a beef that the state was meddling in his county and maybe had his uh, ego bruised a little bit by the fact that they were able to break into his courthouse. Moving on to criminal news out of Dubai, masked gang handed a year in jail for stealing DH 20,000 from bakery. I'm not sure what their unit of uh, currency is over there, but it's abbreviated DH here. I apologize for not having my world facts down that well. The article says that the Dubai criminal court sentenced a masked gang of four Asians to a year in prison for targeting and stealing 20000 from a baker's safe. The Dubai police and the public prosecution found that the men had formed an organized criminal gang to specialize in safe cracking. Investigations in the case revealed that the men targeted a bakery in Abu Shagira. The first defendant waited in the car while two others broke a door lock and entered the business. The defendants then stole an iron safe containing 20000 an account book, and other documents. The three then fled to a farm where they met with the fourth defendant, cracked the safe, and distributed the loot among themselves. Dubai police arrested the men after receiving a complaint, eventually referring them to the public prosecution. 
And the lesson there is if your safe can be easily picked up and hauled out of the building, it's not secure because they can take their time using whatever means necessary to open the safe once they get it back to their property. So make sure your safes are bolted down. The next story is woman 34 booked on drug charges after telling Weber County deputy she was 15. And this is from the Gephardt Daily by Nancy Van Falkenberg. A story out of West Haven, Utah on November 14th. And the story says a 34-year-old woman who gave a Weber County Sheriff's deputy a false identity and claimed to be 15 years old was arrested on multiple felony drug charges Saturday at a gas station and convenience store in West Haven. According to the probable cause statement, the officer noticed a vehicle with an expired Wyoming plate. One of the vehicle's occupants volunteered her name and social security number and said she was 15 years old. Even after the officer pointed out she does not look 15, the social security number comes back to another person and she could not be found in any database. The woman was ultimately identified as a relative of another vehicle occupant and likely did not wish to give her real name due to an active warrant, according to the Weber County Sheriff Deputy's statement. The deputy observed a pipe of a type often used for smoking heroin in the vehicle's center console. After a more thorough search, he found approximately two pounds of marijuana, electronic scales, plastic baggies, 5.9 grams of heroin, roughly 30 Xanax pills in a metal container, a marijuana grinder, three firearms, one pistol and two rifles, and burglary-type tools including bolt cutters and a lock-picking kit. The woman was booked into the Weber County Jail with a bail of 15000 and remained incarcerated as of Sunday afternoon. So admittedly, there's no evidence that she had actually used the tools for breaking in, but, and the fact that there were bolt cutters with the lock picking it kit would uh, definitely indicate that there was probably some intent there. Moving on to sales, uh, I Fisk said in that it seems Masterlock has some stuff for 50% off. It is Masterlock, so that's probably what they're actually worth. Also, the Hydrometer Rubber Pick Closeout is still running at thinkpeterson.com as of the time I'm recording. Also, as of the time I'm recording, Matt's Lock Pit appears to still have his sale up. And don't forget, you can get 10% off at 3dlocksport.com with the code LSCAST10. Mako Locks, 15% off with the code BUYMAKO. UKLockPickers.co.uk, 10% off with the code GIFT. Moving on to giveaways, Panda Frog put out a video, his English number 236 lock picking giveaway entry for Pick and Rick 100 and an announcement for a little contest. The description says, starting December 1st, we will run the Locko Month with any TSA lock that is single pin pickable. No key is required. I will put together a nice winter package with locks, chocolates, and some other stuff. The winner will not be the fastest one, but will be someone random drawn from everyone who sent in a TSA lock speed pick to speedlocks.org. The next giveaway is John Locke's 300 subscriber giveaway in celebration. Hashtag John Locke 300. Official rules, two entries per person allowed. Uh, for entry one, you post a video on YouTube showing, describing, and talking about your favorite Locksport tool. Tag the video with the hashtag for your second entry. Either post a video on YouTube or write a comment on this video with a recommendation to a YouTube channel which you really enjoy and has a positive focus and tag your comment or video with the hashtag. And that ends November 30th. 
Panda Frog has another giveaway running still. This is from his English 231 video. Lock picking giveaway, speed abyss, and speed picking the 6520. The rules for the first part of this giveaway are speed pick any lock and submit it to speedlocks.org team. A valid speed pick will give you one entry. You can only get one entry. Use the hashtag in the video title. Part one ends on November 30th. 12 winners will be drawn after that date. The 12 winners will go on to the next round. Froggy Picker, very similar rules for his one-year giveaway. Hashtag one-year Froggy. Speed pick any lock. Submit it to speedlocks.org team. A valid speed pick gives you one entry. You can only have one entry. Use the hashtag from his video in the title. And be a subscriber. Leave a message on this YouTube video to make sure that I don't miss your entry, he says. First round submit period ends November 30th and six winners will be randomly drawn to go on to the next round. And don't forget about the CLK Supplies, hashtag LockBoss giveaways. If you're into giveaways, they do them every week. Lots of great prizes since they are a locksmith supplier. They have a lot of stuff they can potentially give away, and some of it is really, really nice. So if you're into the giveaway thing, be sure to check theirs out. So remember to keep sending me information, even if you don't think it's that important just send it anyway i'll sort through and figure out what's important what i can use what i can't use and if i don't use it immediately i might use it later on down the road to work with something else i'm using so don't feel discouraged if i don't use it right away i really appreciate all the support we're at episode 77 i'm hoping to make it to at least 100 without ever missing an episode so that's my goal so thank you and keep it legal (laughs) 